0: And welcome everybody, in keeping with uh, my desire to get various opinions on the record here to try to figure out, to approximate the truth, to ascend to the truth, as we say. Today we have Dr. Astrid Leffinghauser, Australian PhD in microbiology, biochemistry, doctorate in molecular biology and virology. Lots of, t- of experience in uh, the international industries around molecular biology, stem cell therapies, and immunology. She, uh, with a cohort, put out an article that caught my attention. And she is on the record of saying it's truly really disturbing that some uh, that we are not looking at some of the other treatments for uh, COVID that are being reported. And in Australia, there is mandates, and we're going to look at the justification for those mandates after this. Our laws as it pertains to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopath started this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous. And as always, we are out on Restream. We're watching uh, the chat room there. We're also out on the Twitter spaces as well as the Rumble Rants. Need to get you guys more active over there on the Rumble Rants. YouTube. you Well, and of course, we're all the usual places.
1: Yeah, we take, you know, on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, you won't be able to, we won't be able to see your comments. But if you head over to YouTube, we can see them or on, over to Rumble.
0: On the Restream. We, yeah, we, we don't see them.
1: They're, they're, I don't know why they stopped allowing that hmm. but, interesting so yeah if you're you're shouting into the wind we i mean we'd have to look at a separate page or whatever so
0: okay and let's talk a little about the schedule tomorrow dr scott jensen in here early at 12 30 pacific yeah, our, time 3 30 eastern with kelly victory
1: yeah rfk junior couldn't make it so we we are bringing in scott jensen who has some great news
0: we have alex berenson amazingly coming in maybe in studio on friday, friday. He was interest. Is is that? Got to clean set? this place up. Has that been uh, worked out? Is he actually coming in here? <laughs>
1: that's what he said.
0: All right. So Alex. But Berenson. now I got to
1: organize and clean. If he doesn't show up, I'm going to be pissed. Though, if I have to put any work into this.
0: Alex Barrington in studio, and then on Monday, April 10th, three o'clock. Uh, Robert Kennedy on Wednesday, April 5th, three o'clock. Dr. William Mackus, and then Tuesday, April 25th, Dr. Asim Malhotra, the cardiologist that's been in the news a bit. he's interesting he's the nicest guy in the world he's been sort of weirdly controversial and i don't know why you can disagree with him and you should disagree with him if you indeed you should if you have differing opinion but to sort of attack him as a person and sort of again this is like attacking jay Bhattacharya for who he is uh history will not be kind to you for that it seems to me humbly but today as i said uh we have astrid leffringhausen in here uh she wrote an article that caught my attention, most particular, caught my attention in relation to the extremely rosy outlook that uh, Vicky Mail gave us with her research. And so, as always, I am trying to ascend to the truth here, trying to understand how there could be such dramatically different understanding of the literature out there and the data such as it is. So please welcome Dr. Leffringhausen. There you are. Welcome.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to talk to people for a minute about what your training is and experience, so they understand from whence you're making your uh, your evaluation.
2: Um, I started out with studies of biology in Germany and did my PhD also in in biology, and I was specializing in microbiology and biochemistry because I always felt that microbiology and molecular biology are, are very important and. Uh, kind of the future. So I concentrated on viruses because that's another thing I always felt that viruses would possibly be um, the the pathogens of the future and the pathogens that are most likely to cause major problems. So yeah, I did my PhD on viruses and particularly on genetic transfer using viruses from one uh, um, cell to another. So I did Molecular biology, I did gene transfer in my PhD work, and that was a three-year work in the lab, followed by a um, by a, uh, basically a write-up and a, a disputation. That's the way it used to be in Germany. Now, after that, I um, went and joined a biotech company in sales and very rapidly went on to become export manager in that company. And... Um, I uh, worked internationally across most, most of Asia and uh, parts of Europe. And from then on, I looked at immunology as a promising, more, um, more interesting, and new, new area. And um, joined another biotech company after seven years with, with the first one that specialized on stem cell therapy, stem cell treatments. And in my new role, I was responsible for installation and training of clinical personnel in using stem cells for treating terminally ill cancer patients that had been given up by standard medicine because they were beyond help. And the stem cell treatment was basically their last resort. It was possible in some cases, especially for younger children, to give them at least a couple more years, if not heal them depending on what the general, um, let's say, disposition of the patient was. So I was working mostly in South America, Africa and Eastern Europe with that. I did installations trainings. I was in places like Kiev. I was in um, uh, uh, Kenya, Tanzania. I went to Argentina, uh, Brazil and other places and did my work there. And after um, a couple of years of that, I decided I wanted to move away from Germany because I felt living there was quite confining. And I decided to move to Australia with my then company. And uh, in 2006, I did move to Australia and kept working in the biotech industry. A couple of years later, I started moving over to diagnostics. So I worked for a diagnostic company for quite a while and, until COVID struck. And uh, COVID basically caused me to lose my position at that company because they insisted on um, vaccine on their vaccine mandates, which I didn't agree with. And um, in Australia, there's a law that your health records are a privacy thing, so you are not supposed or you're not a, um, you're not can't be forced to uh, share your private health status with anybody. And I decided to stay in that position and say, I will not do this, and that's cost me my job. I got a new job very quickly because I'm well-connected in the industry, but uh, it was um, a little bit of uh, an eye-opener and um, uh, started me looking looking deeper into COVID and the COVID
1: vaccines.
0: And so as you put things together now, there were a lot of excesses during the COVID pandemic. A lot of it We were watching over here. It seemed like Australia was way over their skis in terms of a lot of the things they were attempting. What what were some of the first things that jumped out at you?
2: Um, The first thing I think was in early 2020 that governments worldwide, governments that had absolutely nothing in common, communist governments, um, capitalist governments, governments of all kinds did exactly the same. I thought that was absolutely weird. I've never seen anything like that before. And that, that made me think something is wrong here. In the beginning, I thought, um, or to this day, I think, they knew something they didn't tell us. I didn't know what it was. I thought it might have been what I feel that it was a bioweapon that had escaped from the lab. And they didn't want anybody to know because they didn't want to cause panic. And that's why this lockstep operation started. But that was actually the, at the time I started looking into this and then um, following what they said was supposed to happen, this um, this suppression of early treatment and then the all-hail vaccines that were supposed to come later that year. And um, being myself from the biotech, industry and understanding and knowing gen- genetic engineering and gene technology i knew instantly that this was not vaccines but this was genetic engineering they were in, uh, attempting and that was the point where i said no i'm i'm not going to take any of these until at least five years have passed after full registration of these ins- uh, injections and uh, i can see some long-term uh, studies on side effects, because no matter how much you, you concentrate the, the, um, uh, the, the studies and, and do things in parallel, you will never be able to see long-term side effects in, in a couple of months. It's just not possible right
0: it, it I, i'm glad i'm speaking to a german speaker because i've coined the term it, it seemed to me that the way the governments approach at least our government i think australia as well approached this pandemic was safety uber alice and then vaccine uber alice right i mean that, those period end of story and it was uber alice that was it nothing else to be contemplated anything that got in the way of that was to be destroyed uh, and that, to me, was where I thought things were odd and and i and I get going I get doing the best you can to get to a vaccine. I get rushing a vaccine, but this this thus saith the Lord over everything else was just terribly odd to me
2: yes it it was it didn't didn't seem to be logical because uh, a vaccine a safe vaccine takes a fair amount of years to develop. And um, logical would have been to start looking at early treatment and try to help those patients as soon as possible with repurposed medicines that are available. And there were plenty of medicines available, that drugs that people could have taken that would have helped them. Um, it, it seemed to me that they were concentrating on very new, very expensive, and not very helpful medications.
0: Do, do you still think that this might have been a bioweapon that, that they were hiding from us? That Because that, it seems impossible to me that they could keep something like that secret.
2: Well, like I said, it's it's a personal opinion. I, I don't know. I'm not an insider in that area. I think, um, I'm not even sure anymore if if there actually was anything like a pandemic, because there are so many viruses out there that magically disappeared in 2020, like the Flu virus and there was no common cold anymore and everything was basically labeled COVID. I I don't know. Um, it I think it, there might have been a um, a bio weapon a, a virus that was engineered because there are some features of the sequence that published the um, the furin cleavage site and some other things that are definitely not natural that have never been found in any coronavirus before. But um, if this virus actually caused this disease, I don't know really. I think um, that it might have, but it certainly looks to me like the reaction was out of all proportion.
0: Right. Uh, and so uh, one of the, the reasons that um, I asked you in here is, again, I'm trying to get varying opinions on vaccine safety. I spoke to Vicky Mail uh maybe it's two weeks ago now, and she gave a um a rather dire assessment of uh COVID during pregnancy. My concern about her analysis there was that she was mostly looking at alpha and delta, though she has tried to say that Omicron is equally as uh as problematic, which it just isn't, that just doesn't pass the sort of clinical things we're seeing. By the same token, she gave the rosiest of pictures about the vaccine, which also, again, i I'm not saying it's I, I'm not taking a position that it's it's very dangerous. I'm saying to have a, such a rosy projection where there are zero vaccine injuries, no vaccine injuries, that doesn't pass the SNiff test either. so where where do you come in on uh, risk benefit? that That's all I'm trying to figure out. I, I'm, I'm convinced there's a risk benefit over the age of 65. I'm trying to figure out in younger people, I'm trying to figure out in pregnancy, where you come in, come in on all this?
2: Um, I, I think, actually, actually I, I have to, to wait and see, because at the moment we are still in, in early stages. I mean, the long-term effects will be visible for younger people in particular, will be visible in the next couple of years. It looks to me at the moment that for people under 65, uh, it is quite risky. I mean, it looks anywhere between one in thousand to one in a hundred. There are some data coming out of, uh, of Germany and other places that look pretty dire, but there seems to also be a difference in the lot numbers depending on which lot of which vaccine you got. Some people were unlucky and got one of the so-called hot or bad lots, and there you have a very very high uh, rate of injury. And other people seem to have absolutely no side effects, so it's it's very difficult. I mean, what I can say is, it looks like there is no consistency in production, and that alone is dangerous. There are lots of people who have found um, big particles in those vaccine vials that should not be there, and that should have been found with the simplest of quality controls—just measuring, just having a look under the microscope—and um, it is. In my opinion, the entire vaccination campaign should be paused at least and people should assess the safety, properly assess the safety of the vaccines because I don't think this has been done by any regulator worldwide. It it doesn't look like they did. They simply took the word of the producing pharma companies for it and just just applied their mandates and, and asked people to get vaccinated. And most people went along with it. So, uh, and like I'm... because it is a genetic vaccine, it's not something that is, is a proper vaccine, it's like a, a, a particle, let's say a protein, a, um, a pathogen or a part of a pathogen that's given to in a certain amount to the person that's got, supposed to be vaccinated and they have an immune reaction. What happens here is they're giving uh, the genetic information for producing the spike protein, which is supposed to be the the vaccine, the, the the antigen that's produced uh, that's activating the immune system to produce antibodies, but because it's given in unknown quantities and we don't know exactly where in the body of the vaccine it goes, it's impossible to predict what the in uh, what the reaction will be. People, especially if you're elderly, it might not go very far, and it. Might might not have much of an Im- impact but my elderly father for example who will be 90 this year had following the vaccination first a turbo cancer and then then a heart attack that required a sixth stance mm-hmm. he had no heart disease before so even in elderly people depending on who you are you could have severe side effects and i have lots of side effects in my family i've seen all of these pretty much directly after the vaccine. For example, my, my stepdaughter died a couple of months after the second shot. So there is
0: I'm sorry. there is
2: something there. And yeah, it, 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 there's something there. And it's, it's impossible to say it's really bad for everybody because some people don't seem to have any effects, but it's not safe. I can't say it's safe.
0: And I'm noticing in the UK and Australia, there seems to be some willingness to sort of Start to look at things. Am I am I seeing that in your parliament that they're starting to ask questions? Is is that going anywhere?
2: Um, there are a couple of uh, politicians that are definitely looking at this. Uh, the majority of the politic politicians and and the the Labour Party, which is essentially in in power at the moment is not interested so if if you have any any of these politicians having a doing a talk in the senate or in the parliament you can see that the seats are empty nobody's listening they don't want to see um if this will go anywhere if the pressure mounts maybe but at the moment it looks like uh, we are basically having an uphill battle with this
0: are they continuing to mandate boosters
2: no, no. I mean, they are strongly recommending. Um, I think for um, I think they stopped even for for healthcare workers. Healthcare workers were the first to be mandated, and um, and people who are in in care homes, for example, and they are still pushing the jabs for healthcare workers and care homes, but it's not mandated anymore. So this is now uh, regarded as uh, your choice, but the people in the care homes. I think there's very little choice for them because what, what it means if in most cases when they don't get jabbed, it means they are excluded from all social activities. And that is for an elderly person who lives alone in a care home horrible. It's really terrible.
0: And and you wrote a review article uh with Connie Turney. What what would what did you learn as a result of that review?
2: Well, we, we looked at over a thousand, um, publications, uh, of the couple of the f- uh, previous years, um, on side effects of the, 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 the jabs. And, um, we went through, um, the possible, uh, possible out- outcomes and essentially made a list of what the side effects were. And it was a huge list. Um, there were, uh, a lot of neurological and neurodegenerative um, disorders are connected to the jabs, a lot of, of course, myocarditis and pericarditis, so um, diseases of the heart and the vascular system. And um, in general, uh, yeah, neurological disorders were, were really quite, quite um, widespread. And um, we, we co- uh, covered all of that, so we basically tried to sum up what we found in those articles in in this and our review and also added a little bit on the australian uh, view on this because we had been waiting both of us had been waiting for a couple of years then by that time for any kind of australian publication on the vaccines and nothing had come so we decided we have to do it somebody has to start with this but yeah so it didn't look very good Yeah, go on.
0: Finish that thought, I'm sorry. You, you go ahead.
2: Yes, it, it, it didn't look very, very good for, for the, the shots. And it looked like, uh, again, uh, effectivity was not there because it looked that like the people who got vaccinated and injected did not have any protection against COVID. And there was certainly a, a certain amount of side effects that was connected to the shots so the um reasoning for mandating or pushing the shots was in our opinion just not there
0: <laughs> how do you understand the data that that comes out so very different from the data that you uh propose in other words i i again i'm i'm referencing our guest vicky mail who had this remarkably rosy data about the vaccine and uh, and she wasn't they weren't lying how, how do we get such vastly different interpretations
2: well it, it depends which kind of uh, publications which kind of data you look like, look at um th- there have been a, a lot of positive articles about the vaccines and um and, and a lot quite a few negative ones the negative ones uh, had severe issues getting published early on it's now changing so now even critical articles get published even in, in uh, highly qualified, in, in, in good quality papers. In the earlier days, last year, for example, it was impossible to get to a paper like The Lancet or the England Journal of, um, of Medicine and, and get something that was not glowing re- uh, reference um, for the COVID vaccine, get that published. It was not possible. Nowadays, it's a little bit different. There's more than enough papers out there. So yeah, it depends what you reference. And um, it is, uh, if, if you're looking at only, for example, the summaries, uh, that's another thing. A lot of the papers that have been published might have been slightly uh, critical. And if you look at the individual data inside, you see that there is some really negative stuff in there. But as long as they start with a positive uh, sort of a summary in the beginning and a, a, a positive conclusion at the end, um, it gets published because very few people read the stuff in the middle.
0: Yeah, I did notice that. There is, there's data, and, and then the conclusion doesn't, doesn't coincide with what I was thinking as I'm reading through the article. It's like, well, how, did you have to go there? I guess they do have to go there to get published, which is interesting. But, well, listen, uh, let's see, Dr. Campbell seemed particularly upset and appalled regarding the Australian document and what was kept from the public. I guess the, John Campbell has been reporting some of the, Yeah, want to comment on that perhaps?
2: Uh, yeah, I I saw that. That's uh, there was a freedom of information request for um for the um uh, uh, the, the Pfizer data documents. that Pfizer's, that the Pfizer's um, submitted for. I think it was mostly for the um, boosters, and uh, it was based on I think a couple of rats or mice. There was no um, no study on on humans. It was maybe three or six mice the data was uh, the data showed also there was also some biodistribution data again in in rodents but it showed clearly that the uh, um, nanoparticles distributed all over the body and um, in some areas um, like the uh, adrenal glands for example which are very important because they are uh, part of the hormone system uh, they they're accumulated there. They're accumulated big time in the ovaries.
0: For certain L- let, me in the let, me, let me ask this. Let me ask this. Does the fact that the LNPs migrate everywhere, which of course they had to. I mean, it was just that. They, I mean, how could you? How could it be otherwise? Right. These are lipid particles. They fly around. Does but does that is that a marker for the mRNA following suit, going along with the LNPs? Can can we say that yes. necessarily?
2: The, the L- um, the LNPs are virtually um, the the the, ve- the, vesicle, the the vehicle, the vehicle for the mRNA. So, yeah. have to, so if you're looking at yeah. the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, they are basically um, uh, fat. The LNPs are the so-called fat micelles. They are fat
0: yeah.
2: globules that contain the mRNA, and and where they go, they transport the mRNA. The point is, the mRNA inside is protected because our body regards RNA as the major enemy, because RNA usually, free RNA means for our system um, viruses, attack from outside. So our system, our saliva, our skin is full of RNAs, enzymes that attack and destroy RNA. So that to get RNA into our cells, they had to be protected. And that's what the liquid, liquid nanoparticles are. So looking at little blobs of fat, which contain the mRNA inside, they get injected and then they distribute throughout the body, and wherever they make contact with the cell, it's a little bit like, um, you want to imagine, if you think about, uh, let's say, a soup with some fat blobs on top, like a chicken soup, and the fat blobs con- um, make contact, and after a while, it goes blob, and they actually, for, where there were two small fat blobs, there's one big fat blob. That's exactly what happens with those nanoparticles when they s- sit long enough next to a cell, because the cell membrane is also nothing but fat. It's cholesterol and lipids, so the um, the lipid nanoparticles con- contact this. Then they basically um, uh, become part of the cell membrane, and as part of this process, the mRNA gets into the cell, and that's the process is called transfection. So you have now the foreign mRNA inside the cell, and it can now be um, translated into spike protein by your own cell. So your but own it's, cell but it's, is it's now not the as though.
0: Yes, and it's not I as though the LNPs fine. somehow become exocytotic or something, or they fuse early and then are discharged later without the mRNA. I mean, do, in other words, do we have to prove that the mRNA is there with the the LNPs? Um, well,
2: the, the the process is not not very um, very well defined. It's a very difficult thing to actually pack mRNA into into these these liquid nanoparticles. Um, as far yeah. as I understand, I, I'm not involved in this, this process. What they have to do is they mix mm-hmm. the components, these fat components, in, a, in a, uh, a watery solution with the mRNA, which is, of course, containing some um, nucleotides that are changed, like pseudouracil instead of uracil, which makes it much, much mm-hmm. more stable. And uh, when these, um, they form the so-called micelles, the globules, uh, to a certain degree, they will just incorporate mRNA because it's in the watery solution. Um, so it's very hard you can't predict exactly how big or small those, those globules are and how much RNA they contain. You can only go for an average. So uh, the other problem is um, if you do this in a very, very big container, um, and everybody knows if you have fat in water, the fat swims to the surface. So, depending on how fast they are with um, then filling vaccine vials, or so it's entirely possible that um, if it takes, let's say, 20, 30 minutes to start filling, they're usually filling from the from the bottom. So they're actually having the uh, vaccine, the vials moving underneath the vat where you have this this mix, and because the um, the fat, the nanoparticles containing the RNA swim to the surface, or so the first, let's say, a thousand vials or so might contain only water, nothing else, and right. the last thousand vials contain huge amounts of these nanoparticles and, and mRNAs. Yeah. We don't know that. So that, that's, a, that's a, another thing. That's the production process, which is not defined. Yes. And we don't exactly know how they do this and how they make sure that this is done properly. We just know you cannot start mixing the entire thing once you have these, these micelles formed because it would destroy them. So there are a yes, lot we, of we, technical difficulties.
0: Yeah, we were hearing this last week from another another source that, that there's very grave mm-hmm. concerns about these large vats of a uh, vaccine that are then parsed out and how do they make sure that there's this same amount and it's clear there is not based on previous studies. But I, I really I appreciate your article caught my eye and I just wanted to get you in here and have a chance to talk to you and hear what you had to say about these things. I appreciate you coming in today. Is there anything we should uh, get to before I let you go? Anything I missed?
2: Um, no, not really. I think um, it, it's, it's really an honor to be here. I'm glad we, we have a chance to actually say something for Australia. And I just hope that people have a chance to start looking more in detail in the vaccines and, and start figuring out what actually happened, what went wrong. And maybe if it's even necessary to keep on vaccinating people, because uh, I feel that uh, it- we might actually have a look at this.
0: And I think most importantly, uh, maybe make some changes to somehow at least put a little uh, breaks on the excesses of this of this last experience. I mean, the excesses are so profound and so disturbing that I, I don't I, it's, I don't know how we can look away. And as you said, it was strangely the entire world took it on in ways that are just hard yeah. to understand. But uh, Dr. Astrid Leffringhauser, Lefringha- is there a website? You said you're not on social media. Is there a website you'd like us to send people to?
2: Um, well, I mean, I'm I'm associated with uh, Children's Health Defense Australia. So I'm on the board of directors there. So that might be uh, interesting. So the Children's Health Defense is, is doing a lot of work. I mean, in America, of course, with uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., But uh, we are in the process of of setting up the Australian chapter, and that might be a website. If anybody is interested in more information, they're working on this right now, and it could be a good way to to keep up to date with um, what new research is coming out.
0: Okay, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: And for everyone else, we are going to take calls after this break. Uh, we are out on Twitter Spaces. If you raise your hand there, I will see you and I'll bring you up. And uh, by raising your hand and coming up, you are agreeing to go out on multiple platforms. We are streaming on Rumble, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, we're out there. So uh, we'll try to get your calls. In. And I'm going to give a little summary of what I've been thinking lately, perhaps, before we go to the calls. So we'll take a little break and be right back. I think you know how much, Susan, and I love our Cell skincare and how easy it is to try our one-of-a-kind customer packages bundled with our favorite products. Susan realized the other day that one of our kids stole some of our deep correcting serum from our stash, if you will. We had no idea that the lactic and hyaluronic acid combo is so great for adult acne, dark marks, and scars so not only are susan and i hooked on these products but apparently somebody else in our family is too somebody's ripping it
1: off i know i'm a snob about the products i use on my face everybody knows it every time i go to the dermatologist's office they're just rows and rows of different creams retinols vitamin c cream under eye cream night creams scrubs. and then when i get to the counter they're overpriced all kinds of products that you can all find at genucell.com i've fallen in love with this product at a fraction of the price. I've been using GenuCell for six months now and I'm very impressed.
0: Great skincare is important at any age and we love how amazing the results are. Thank you to GenuCell. Plus, now you can find your very own bundle based on your unique skincare needs using cutting edge AI skincare technology. You can get a full skin analysis instantly and create a skincare regimen tailored towards your needs. Visit GenuCell.com Drew to check out our favorites and enter that promo code Drew, D-R-E-W, at checkout for added savings. All orders include free shipping and a free mineral mask. Order now. Go to GenuCell.com Drew. That is Genucel G-E-N-U-C-E-L, GenuCell.com Drew. Buy gold and get a free save to store it in. You heard right on qualifying purchases from Birch Gold Group now through March 31st. They will ship you a free safe directly to your door. Here's the deal. the Fed keeps raising rates because it is the only tool they have to keep inflation under control. But it isn't working. You can't spend your way out of inflation. You've seen the impact on the stock market. You've seen the impact on your savings. Hedge inflation by owning gold, whether physical gold and silver in your safe or through an IRA in precious metals where you can hold real gold and silver in tax-sheltered retirement accounts. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Visit birchgold.com slash drew for your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free home safe by March 31st on qualifying purchases. Again, visit B-I-R-C-H-gold, birchgold.com slash drew. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family, dogs, cats, even horses, in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7 P E T C L U B two four seven Pet Club two four seven. First, there we are. My my crack producer is on top of that. That's so. Right. <laughs> got bad news. Alex bailed. Oh, what do you mean he bailed? Alex really? Berenson bailed. She just told me. Wait, it, why don't you give him the opportunity to come by Zoom? Because then we will in right.
1: another time. He's. A, I don't know what's going on. in... You know, this happens
0: sometimes. He, te- he emailed me and asked if he could come into the studio. No, I know. Ask it's all him. Right. Look, tell him we have him booked and he needs to zoom in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's, come on now.
1: We'll find somebody better.
0: Uh, Tell him he needs to zoom in. That that that, that would be appropriate, <laughs> it seems to me. Just, I mean, that would be a place to stop, right, Caleb, don't you think? Yeah,
3: Yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, you can do that and just take the first half of a show and just come on. We also have Dr. Scott Jensen exactly. tomorrow, which is going to be very interesting.
0: Yes. Yeah. It will be interesting. We had him a couple times before, and he was always well, very Well, you nice. know what? The
1: good news is I don't have to clean the studio now. <laughs>
4: Maybe Susan sabotaged this one. <laughs> yeah, I think he heard
1: you talking. <laughs> no, about I him. didn't. I didn't.
0: So, so here we are now, where we are having all these differing opinions about the vaccine and vaccine safety, and it it feels to me like everybody has excess built into their data somehow. Um, I am not yet ready to say that what Ed Dowd is finding is all the result of vaccine. I'm not prepared to say that. I saw some data today that showed that influenza and pneumonia uh, deaths are way up. I don't understand why that would suddenly be happening. I have no doubt that COVID has had some effect on people's long-term health, and I have no doubt that the vaccine has had some effect on people's long-term health. What I don't understand is why at least one government on this planet is not looking at these excess deaths as an emergency, as something that really needs to be answered. In the meantime, there's a lot of data coming through that I have seen that suggest that a a significant percentage, and as some of these, these articles attempt to make the case, all of the excess deaths are somehow related to residual effects of COVID. Doesn't, doesn't fit my clinical experience. It just doesn't. So why would the clinically not look like that? By the same token, uh, as I said earlier, Vicky Mails' data on pregnancy and vaccination was so rosy. There was no serious vaccine reactions. If you remember, she only was willing to admit to sort of local inflammation and fevers and all the things that everybody gets from the vaccine or most people get from the vaccine. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the significant effects that it's affecting. And I've seen quite a bit of cardiac effect and quite a bit of this, what I can we used to call neurasthenia, this sort of wasting and fatigue and shortness of breath. I've seen quite a bit of that. And so whenever the data doesn't reflect reflects none of that, I'm questioning the data significantly I, I don't I don't buy the data. So still, something it doesn't pass the sNiff test. i I think we're going to find that you know most people are not taking further boostering and so it becomes sort of a moot point at this moment except for pregnant women where the american college of obstetric and gynecology pushing very hard that they should get the vaccine because of fear of covid during pregnancy again most of the fear is a result of alpha and delta i also see fear of covid in children and yet the Potential fatality rate there is so low, not seeing a lot of vaccine reactions in little kids. But then again, as uh, Dr. Leffringhauser just pointed out, we don't know the long-term effects. And I saw a really interesting tweet today, where it was a picture of uh, essentially an inflamed lung. It looked like a you know sort of a white out of the lung. And if you don't look closely, the, the caption was: "This is the leading cause of death in children." I'm looking at it and if you don't look carefully you'll miss that there's a bullet in that 6-year-old's chest. And indeed violence of all kinds is the leading cause of death in children and it, it's it it's not going to be enough to control guns. That is not the whole story. Uh certainly the ubiquity of guns and I don't know how you pull that back into the you Know, get that, that genie back in the bottle because the guns are just everywhere already. So it seems to me we need to begin solving problems about what it is to live amongst a lot of firearms. Uh, as I said, I'm taking questions, I'm going to go to your questions here on the uh Twitter spaces. There's uh, lots of hands up, and I will just go right down the line here and uh, see what you guys' questions. This is open sleigh. Open sleigh. Hey, Drew. Hey there. You know. Uh, And hey, Caleb and Susan, it's lovely to talk to you all. Um, Drew, I just wanted to come up and say, I was on here with you months ago. It might have even been late last year. And I had asked you to look deeper and to not be afraid and to ask questions and push back against the the suppression of information that we were facing last year. And I just want to say thank you. You're doing it, bro. You're killing it. You're doing it. And I, I, I can't be more proud to just be here Wow. And see you
5: ask these questions and get the answers that we want. And that's all. I love you all. Thank you.
0: Thank you, my friend. Oh, What's your name? I love name? you more. Oh, is he gone? You're not going to tell us your name before you go? Unmute. Oh, he's gone. He's our goner.
1: That was sweet.
0: That was that was. Wow. Really... Oh, missed it. I'm sorry, my friend. But, you know, <laughs> you know in, as it pertains to that, we have learned so much incredible stuff about where lockdowns came from. And who the, uh, what was the other? I saw another article. I saw a really good review article on lockdowns that went beyond what Michael Singer was showing us. So there's, again, each, there's lots of tributary stories, but fundamentally, we learned that lockdowns were a political maneuver by the Chinese Communist Party that they had a graph if you put up michael singer's book there on the front page of his book uh snake oil science or something i think it's called snake oil snake oil um you will see the graph goes up and then goes flat at the moment they put the uh lockdowns in place which is of course total bullshit. so you see the yellow line there that's the actual published graph that uh, the Chinese Communist Party put out indicating the success they were having in controlling COVID and preventing it from going all over the country, which, of course, it did. Yes, the yellow line is their graph. Th- that graph is so laughably apocryphal. It's, 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 I don't <laughs> have strong enough language to describe it. And the fact that our, co- our scientists contemplated that that was truth— I, it's hard to imagine, but there was a lot of going back and forth. We've also learned that there was an industry of pandemic preparedness, that there were professionals trained and ready, the gunslingers waiting to pull their guns out in a in a firearm, you know, wait, waiting to have that battle, waiting to... They knew the pandemic was coming and they knew what they had to do. When you're a hammer, everybody, the whole world is a nail. And those hammers started nailing like crazy in response to that data from China. Even then, though, the idea of complete and total lockdowns had not quite yet fully been contemplated. They'd been exercised, they'd been thought about, there were advocates, but it wasn't until Lombardy, Italy, and the various political leaders there put complete lockdown in place. And as we have learned from Michael Singer, and I've seen elsewhere quoted, one of those political leaders in particular, did not really look at this as an opportunity to squash COVID so much as an opportunity as a sinophile, as an enthusiast for President Xi and the Chinese Communist Party. It was an opportunity to get one step closer to showing what a totalitarian intervention would look like. He wrote a book about it. When it clearly failed, that book was taken off the shelves. But in that book, he didn't mention... Again, Michael Sanger has read this book. I have not. He did not mention controlling COVID. He mentioned the political impact of being able to totally shut down a society. And when Lombardy, Italy shut down, other countries followed suit out of some sort of complete and total panic. But remember, keep the pandemic preparedness in your mind. This is what we've learned. This is what we've learned. This was the extraordinary experience we had. Then in this country... We saw sort of the overlay of Trump derangement. You have the president of the United States saying, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe we don't want to lock down quite so much. And then boom, California, other blue country uh, states go triple down on lockdown and start closing schools. When Dr. Fauci says, I didn't close any schools, he didn't close any schools. I was I used I did a nightly television program here locally in Los Angeles for about a year where we reported on what was going on with COVID. And when those school board members decided to close the school down, which was probably two weeks into our program, and about 10 days after the lockdown, school board member came in and I said, who were you consulting? Why did you decide to do this? What infectious disease expert told you to do this? No one told us to do it. It's just the right thing to do. And then they couldn't get them opened again genius genius I always like to point out to everybody and this is uh, Mimi uh to everyone that if you want to know how outrageous it is that our kids in in Los Angeles County in particular stayed away from school for two years I always point to the Ukrainian women ca- crossing the border into Poland Susan's laughing I know. to tell the, the story, story to me. again but it's my favorite story there the know. news reporters are throwing microphones in these women's faces What's it like? What's it like? Well, of course, they first say our sons and husbands are back fighting. It's terrible. This is unbelievable. Our lives are upside down. And then the next words out of their mouth, every single woman... Our kids have been out of school for two weeks. Two weeks. We have to get them back in school. It's been two weeks. you got to be kidding.
1: And now they and, have to do it in Poland. But they In did. Polish.
0: They sent them back into school with a language they didn't even speak. That was the urgency that two weeks away from school meant to a European mother.
1: I also want to give a little credit to Drew's change of mind and opening up uh, his mind to the a lot of things due to the fact that Kelly Victory, Dr. Kelly Victory has been behind the scenes for a long time because she was muted on Twitter and mm. YouTube and Facebook and stuff like that. But she came out and got she had a lot of a lot of people come on that that really had some details that Drew listened to. So not only the Chinese <laughs> problem of. You know that that he had a really hard time understanding, but um, but he came around. I always knew well, it I, was a communist I, plot. St- but. I
0: feel as though you know guys like Robert Kennedy came in with all kinds of stuff, and and I, I and and I let I listen <laughs> respectfully, but I would only take away a very small bits. And what I took away from my last experience with uh, Mr. Kennedy was that he's a lawyer making a case. And and so everything you know, he's yeah, and another, he's also
1: trying to help people.
0: He's another hammer for which the whole world is nail. I get it. He's making a case, but I took away from that conversation the sense of the coziness between the regulators and the and the drug companies, which I did not know. I didn't know how cozy that was, and that was interesting to to learn that. So we were you saying, Susan, I'm sorry.
1: Well, I just I appreciate that you were willing to listen to these other sides because yeah, you know, I don't know why we were never canceled on Twitter because I guess we just. Sort of had to walk the line, and
0: i I am literally trying not to go too far one way or the other. I'm actively trying because when when the data and the opinions are so divergent, truth probably isn't going to be all one way or the other, right? I mean, think about it. it It's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. It's going to go one way or the other a little bit for sure. but i'm 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 waiting, waiting. We still aren't allowed to ask questions. What happened to Demar um, Hamlin? What happened to him? What was that? And why can't we ask about that? What was that? Until we can can understand what that was, people are covering things.
1: Yeah, I hate that.
0: So, I I, and by the way, as I've said repeatedly, I'm completely prepared to understand that that was a post COVID or a post COVID plus vaccine. Or a vaccine reaction. I, any of the three, I am wide open to. At the time he went down, I was thinking more about post-COVID-type reactions. But there is one diagnosis. Have I said this publicly? Have I said this? I, maybe I better say this just so I'm on the record with it. There is one diagnosis that would explain everything that is simply not post-COVID. And here's, here's the data. He stands up after the tackle. With commotio, you don't stand up afterwards. You go flaccid immediately. And not only that, but commotio doesn't happen in a football player, and it rarely happens in adults. It usually happens in pre-adolescent males from a projectile, like a hockey puck, an elbow, or a baseball. So already we were in weird territory. But then the fact that he stood up, took a couple steps, and fell down, that doesn't happen with commotio. So it's something else and he has no pulse immediately. Well, what kinds of things do that? Well, only a few things do it. Most of them are cardiac. And when the cart is restarted again, people usually kind of come around. Now they can have a shock lung, right? So they need to be ventilated, and they can have neurological effects, and they can be a while before they're breathing normally on their own. But in DeMar's case, he arrested again in the ER. That's weird unless he also had a heart attack or some heart injury from having been without a pulse. But he, they were on him pretty quickly. So why would that happen? Then he recovered neurologically ahead of his pulmonary improvement. There were reports. Again, I wasn't there, but the reports were he was awake and communicating on a ventilator. That's the opposite of the direction it normally occurs. So what things would cause sudden no pulse, rearrest in the ER, and the pulmonary status to lag behind neurological would be a pulmonary embolus. And a pulmonary embolus happens during acute COVID, which he did not have, and it has been alleged to occur related with the vaccine. So my suspicion is the only possible diagnosis that they would be motivated to hide because everything else could be post COVID, but why are they hiding it? I have I, I'm just going to conclude. It must've been a pulmonary embolus, and they're not willing to, to tell us about that, which to me is, I, I listen, you as the public should be outraged. And I mean outrage and beyond outrage that anybody, Who's representing you or giving you information or as an elected official feels like you can't handle the truth, you should be so you should be beside yourself with anger. You can't handle the truth. They don't have faith in your ability to handle the truth or to handle information as it comes in. That is disgusting, personally. I believe I, my entire career that people can process things, learn things, try to understand things, find sources that they can rely on. But the fact that there are people out there that don't believe that you can handle it or that you shouldn't handle it or that it's too much for you to incorporate into your thinking or that it will cause you to go into some other kind of misinformed kind of state. uh, Sunlight and truth and information, in my experience, has never done that to people. Never. And so, it, I, and I've worked in a psychiatric hospital for 30 years. Information helped clear people's sense of paranoia, not added to it. Uh, so am I, my thing, you know, where are they getting these ideas that you can't handle the truth? I, I don't know. I don't know because it flies in the face of how I have experienced uh, how humans work and what they do with information. Mimi, unmute yourself there. Let's get to it.
6: Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. And thank you for letting me speak in your space, because mm-hmm. I'm pissed off. I'm okay. a military brat, and I um I just want to give a smidge on how I grew up. I'm a military brat, so I was raised on a military base, and I remember all of us kids, and we had the ice cream truck, but we did have a truck that was coming out there spring, and we would run around, and it was it was it was good times. We would be able to play as long as uh I guess I would say when the streetlights come on, you bring your butt back home and play in front of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the good the good the good the good. Um, I am a seventies. I, I can I guess I can say I'm a Z. I guess that's what it is. I'm damn near fifty years old. But anyways, times have changed. Yes,
3: indeed.
6: Um. um I came in your space earlier, Drew, you know me, and I came in, I was talking about chicken pox. And I'm like, well, dang, you know? And I had that debate, and I'm like, oh. Um, After that point, I've never took the flu shot. I didn't have to do that. But I believe, like, um, when we get certain, um, I would say viruses or diseases, the immune system is supposed to build up. And that's the white blood cells. The white blood cells is supposed to kill everything that's in the red. Because the red is always the highest in the human body. Am I correct, Drew?
5: You, you have
0: cell. white blood cells—a very complicated system of uh, various lymphocytes and neutrophils and macrophages and other things. And they transform and they build—you know—they become plasma cells and plasma sites and push out the—you know—it's the immune system. They push out the antibodies. It's a very, very complicated system, and it's—it's uh, it's more. Um, I mean, red cells, yeah. I mean, red cells are, are, there are definitely more red cells than white cells and they're responsible for delivering oxygen. Um, so it's a different function entirely, but but mm-hmm. but it but it is the case. I mean, I, I'm i sympathetic, you know, let me just put it this way. Um, if I was hearing you speak a couple of years ago, I would have been like, no, 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 you gotta, you gotta listen, vaccine, just take the vaccine. Just, it's so silly. I, I've said uh, repeatedly, that there are not enough vaccines on earth for my family. I get them vaccinated, I, the, everything, 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 everything. And I've fought for vaccines, and I've fought for the HPV vaccine. But you know what? <laughs> I'm fighting harder oh, now. Wait, hang on, hang, hang on, though. I'm fighting okay. harder now for individuals to be able to be in control of their own bodies and their own medical decisions. That, to me, is more important than anything else right now. So Mimi, I totally respect. And and I, if I were your doctor, we would make our decisions together. I would do my best to persuade you to my point of view. But my priority would be to to deliver medical care to your satisfaction, based on your wishes. That is the priority. And and I've learned that through this pandemic. Okay. Okay. righty. Okay. Thank you, my dear. I appreciate that. I got to get a lot of the calls you. here. Uh, there's a lot of a lot. I like
1: that olden days stories uh, and being natural and normal well
0: I, I look I i love that hpv vaccine I, I you know a vaccine that prevents cancer and you can argue with me all day about whether you think it does or it does not believe me it does not perfectly but it does
1: i still get checked for hpv for some reason i don't know you why. didn't
0: have the vaccine the vaccine no i didn't but
1: you know that's what i'm saying it's weird it? though but i've no, no, I don't it, have it. It, but it can be, also, in the,
0: it can be you've, now you've heard all about I it. Can I
1: get it from, I'd have to have a different partner, right? It could
0: be, well, there's that. Is there something you want to tell me? No. And, and, is there, <laughs> and, and what happens is the genetics gets incorporated, and you've heard now about genetics all these last few weeks, the, the, the HPV can get incorporated into the cells in the endocervix and over time produce a cancer.
3: Yeah, so
1: but, but if I never had it, out. why do they keep checking me because for
0: it? Because it could be hiding there, essentially, the way they think about it.
1: At my age?
0: Yep. It would have come out by now. Nope. No, well, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, yes and no. So.
1: I mean, I don't care. They can check for me. I don't give a shit. But.
0: All right. So let's keep going. But I just
1: here. wondered why they did.
0: We have lots of questions here. I want to try to get to everybody and people we haven't had before. Uh, okay. This is Coach. We'll get Coach up here. Um. Got I'm trying to get to as many of you guys as I can. I'm sorry. Coach, your hand is up. I know you gotta just unmute yourself. That's so all you gotta do. There you are.
3: Okay. Hey, you was uh talking about uh Hamlin earlier. Um i actually I'm in a hospital now. I have lupus twenty one years here. Hey, boy. And, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, and <laughs> no that's um, rough twenty one years going strong. But um with Hamlin, is it possible that it was uh, ventricular tachycardia that did that to him, like a pulseless one?
0: He could have been, uh, yeah, it could have been a rapid rhythm. It could have been a ventricular fibrillation, or it could have been a rapid rhythm, either ventricular or superventricular, that was so fast there was no pulse, which, by the way, I've seen a bunch of that from the vaccine. Now, could that, I've also seen stuff like that from COVID. But that wouldn't have caused him to rearrest in the ER, and it would not have caused his lungs to lag behind his neurological improvement. Those are the two things that are, were odd. Now, there may be explanations for that, but those two things are very odd for a primary cardiac arrhythmia. Usually an arrhythmia like that, you hit it, uh, okay, you electrocute. Yeah, super venture. Uh, Either, either ventricular or superventricular, you hit it with electricity, people come right back. Boom, they're back. Right. And, and so, and they don't rearrest typically unless there was also a heart attack or there whatever was causing the arrhythmia is still there. And what kinds of things could cause the arrhythmia? Well, myocarditis, but we haven't heard about whether he had myocarditis. And it doesn't look like he had that. I mean, no, I don't know. I mean, we aren't hearing about him being on. We aren't hearing a lot of things, and there there may be many other explanations. I'm totally with you, um, but the why would they? They wouldn't hide that because that could easily have been a post COVID phenomenon, right? Right. Yeah. I,
3: I've, I've had it, and I've because um, I have super SVT, yeah. um, and I've had two ablations. Mm. Uh, my heart rate, where it, my resting heart rate would hit like 300, um, mm. and uh, I've been, been much better now since is the that, second ablation. Is
0: that from your Lupus, or is that from COVID? Or is that what, what was that from? Uh,
3: yeah. that I uh, know we don't, and mm-hmm. that's the sad thing about having lupus because no matter what happens to us, it's going to always
0: be it, the it, lupus. it. It can always be the lupus, right? Did you, yeah. did you have to take cytotoxic drugs? or Are you being controlled on the milder stuff?
3: Uh, they um, now I'm just on um, metatoprol.
0: No, no, uh, no, I mean for your lupus.
3: Oh, for my lupus, I'm on hydroxychloroquine.
0: Yeah, that's what I use for this. Uh, isn't, yeah, isn't it weird? Isn't it weird a that that while. drug? I gotta the... put
1: up the banner, Caleb.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know we're not allowed. But
3: I'm
1: rushing to find
0: my button. to say that yeah. word on a YouTube.
1: The it's H that... word. But isn't he it said interesting that, word. that is,
0: here's a drug, here's a drug that you've been on for years, I've prescribed for years, that has all this weird connotation to it now? Isn't that weird?
3: Yeah, and, and I and I've been in the hospital and I have blood clot, uh, mm. which you know, and, and it's crazy because the doctor comes in and. You know, we don't have to wear masks in the hospital or in doctor's appointments or anything anymore. And he's coughing up a lung, and I'm sitting there just like, hmm, you know, and, and yeah. And he's like um, telling me that one of my doctors passed away, my Ooh. my neurologist. Oh my god! And yeah, and I was like, what? And he goes, and the crazy thing about it, and he winks at me. He's like, they don't know why.
0: Oh Uh-oh. boy. Well, it, Joyce, right? Is that your name? Yes, Joyce, Joyce, I appreciate you calling get well, Uh, it sounds like your lupus is kind of in hand. And you know, you know, know there's kinds of lupus and there's lupus, right? There's people that really get nailed in their 20s. And then there are people like you that kind of Trundle along pretty good, so hopefully it's gonna.
3: Well, yeah, I'm on twenty one years this. Good this for month. you. I'm good 21st for you. year, so. it's a big deal. That's yeah, it's a big a, deal. kidneys are good. You yeah, guys have a good day. Oh kidney's,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's the key thing.
3: Well, one time they failed. I they were oh. going to bacteria. I was in the hospital for three months with bacterial meningitis. D- different,
0: and different, different problem. <laughs> That's that's not the yeah, lupus, by lupus. the way. <laughs> that's for for change. That's not the lupus, but but damn, Joyce, Joyce, yes. enough with the medical system. Damn, yeah. <laughs> enough. <laughs> Woo, SVT of three hundred, meningeal sepsis, uh, lupus. That is enough, my dear. You need a break. Yeah,
3: I've had so much adenosine, I can't even tell you. That um, stuff is a uh, scares the crap out of the me. The
0: adenosine, God. yeah, that's to break the SVT.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sorry yeah, you've been going but... through all this, but damn, woo, that is interesting.
1: Sorry about your doctor.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is Canuckle. Let's see what that's all about. Uh, whenever there's cl- Yes, your hand's up. I see you, and uh, you're up, and all you got to do is unmute your mic.
4: There you are. Dr. Drew, thank you so much for hosting here today. And uh, I had a question for your guest, but I think she's off the line now. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Maybe I can try to channel her.
4: <laughs> I'll, I'll speak to a different question that I have, and it's probably more important and, and prescient to the current concerns. But have you followed the work of Kevin McCarnan and his recent investigation on uh, the mRNA vaccine vials? Uh,
0: I believe I, you know, the name sounds very familiar, and I am familiar with the
4: vial-by-vial with the vial <laughs> variability. I'm familiar with that. Yeah, he's just, I mean, maybe that's an important thing to I, the amount of process
1: contamination oh, yeah.
4: that they're seeing, and not just the vials, but the, the bivalents, which are three or four months old, these are things where yes. if there was process contamination issues in 2021, that's right. maybe they could have got a Hall pass because it was an emergency, but there's Correct. no excuse right now for that. And when they're looking at DNA plasmid contamination, that's over a hundred times the allowable amount Mm-hmm. And, and those are EMA amounts. I don't know what is in the US or in Canada where I'm at, but uh, one analysis found 30% of these bivalent vials was off target process contamination. And, yeah, and no,
0: I, I we are here. Who did we report? Who did we talk to last week that reported on all this? We we had somebody come in here, uh, an immunologist. Susan, help me. It was like maybe Friday. Kikavir. Was it Sasha? It was Sasha. Sasha Latipova, I think yes. she was reporting yep. on it. And, and um, and yeah, and that's, that may end up being the story, right? That might be the reason that so many people are having adverse reactions and other people are having none, which is what Dr. Leffringhauser was just bringing up. Thank you, my friend. I've got to keep moving because um, there are so many people that want to come up here. I want to give everybody a chance. This is Health Uncensored. Uh,
5: if you are up, uh, there you are. Hi, Dr. Drew. Thanks for having me on. You betcha. Um, my question is kind of indirectly related to vaccines, but more overall health. Um, I kind of preface it with some quick information. Um, in the late 18th century, um, healthy resting body temperature for humans was established at 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. And um, that was held as fact throughout the 19th century by everyone in the medical industry. 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit was healthy resting body temperature. Um, it was kind of said that if your body temperature was lower than 98.6 degrees, it was reserved for the elderly and the chronically ill. Um, Over the past 30 years, 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit is no longer the average. Mm -hmm. We're cooling down as a society, collectively speaking. Um, At the same time that our body temperatures are coming down, the rates of various chronic illnesses are coming up. We're also experiencing widespread endocrine problems. Um, In the United States, men's testosterone levels are currently at their lowest in recorded history.
0: That that just by um, itself, by the way, could account for the temperature change, but go ahead.
5: Okay, um, I'm just curious your opinion. I mean, it. I know there's no way to give a clear cut answer, but I'm curious your opinion overall on what's happening to us as a species. Our body temperatures are coming down, chronic illness is becoming commonplace, it's, be, it's being normalized in the media and TV and movies You know, um, as a well-respected physician and doctor, what's your personal opinion on all this?
0: Well, uh, I still don't think we have enough information to know exactly what this is. In fact, I don't know, you know, when people talk about chronic illnesses, I'm never entirely sure what they're talking about. I think it's really easy to point at, I mean, I've been dealing with chronic illnesses my entire career. That's mostly what you deal with in general medicine. Um, but it's clear that our diet and our body weight and, um, you know, our lack of physical activity, all these things are definitely impacting on what's going on here, whether or not people are living, uh, let's say longer than they would have otherwise. And that's why they are then developing chronic disease. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're not doing a great job. More concerning to me, frankly, Is the massive drop in the expected uh, life expectancy in the United States relative to other countries? I don't know if you've seen that data, but our life expectancy dropped dramatically in the last two years and it has continued down. So it is not just COVID. So the question becomes, what, you know, and and by the way, you mentioned chronic illnesses. Uh, How about chronic psychiatric illnesses? If you wanna know what's more common than anything else, psychopathology is the is the most common medical problem we see today every psychiatrist and psychologist i know their are schedules are overwhelmed uh you need to look further than the street look out your window and you'll see people with chronic psychiatric illness and that is the underlying reason for those conditions that then become medical and life threatening so it's complicated i would say that um More than anything else, we've created a system where people that could be helped are not allowed to be helped for various reasons. And that, I think, is the biggest problem. You're either prevented from helping somebody because the laws won't allow you to intervene on somebody who needs help, or the system is so incredibly complex and cumbersome that people that want help can't find it. So I I got a suspicion it's more in that zone merely because I mean you can look at our body habitus and know that we're not in great shape nutritionally but beyond that uh it, it is it is more in the zone of caring for people getting access or being able to treat people who need it and who would die because of the results of not getting the care they need Okay what
1: That was a long explanation
0: Okay Boring, you mean? Oh no. Usually it's, she means boring. When she no, says no. That. <laughs> that's usually what you mean. Uh, let's get to So uh, Alex up Berenson
1: there. is on for Friday via Zoom. There
0: we go. Well done. You we just,
1: both win. I don't have to clean anything. That's,
0: right. that's right. That's right. he doesn't have to stay the full hour. Just half hour is fine, even. Uh, Charles, you're a speaker. Just uh, unmute yourself there. Let's see what you got.
7: There you are. Oh, hello. Hey there. Yeah, uh, two points. Uh, the body temperature, I think some of that has to do with the onset of the use of antibiotics. Um, if you look at the studies that have been done on average body temperature, so, so is that
0: is that more about gut health, more about what's going on in the well? Um, it's
7: just bit no, it's just I think that there were some people I, I, I'm not a, that that had chronic infections, chronic sinusitis, mm-hmm. chronic oh, interesting. chronic this, chronic that. And then when they started the antibiotics, uh, you know, that all went out the window and interesting. the temperature dropped. So, um, and the second point I want to make is I think it that the variation in complications with different lot numbers Mm. is a critical point.
3: Mm.
7: I have heard this from multiple different people. I uh, only have like sort of a nodding uh, knowledge of of the actual where they got the data and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I would like to see what somebody like Vicky Mayo or Debunk the Funk has to say about this because if they can't come up with something pretty good, for me, the conversation about the vaccine is over.
0: And Charles, you know what's interesting is, you know, from a standpoint of sort of Occam's razor or law of parsimony, it would kind of be the simplest explanation, wouldn't it? It would be really a simple way of saying, why are some people having all these complications and some people nothing? That would be, boom, quick, quick, easy explanation for all of it. And by the way, a solvable problem if they if they did better uh, production practices. Yes. Yeah, interesting. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for uh, for coming on up here. Um, Money Penny, I think you're going to be our last speaker, I suspect, because I'm really running out of time here. Oh, I've gone way over time, to be fair. Um, Penny, Money Penny. Hi,
8: Dr. Drew, thank you. Um- You invited me up to ask questions last week, and I apologise, there was an Android error that prevented it. Um, I'm in the UK, you can probably tell from my accent, I'm a three-year-long COVID sufferer. Mm. Um, I'm studying the mRNA vaccines versus other vaccines, particularly Sputnik, uh, Sinopharm, Sinovac. And interestingly, it appears the um, results that are being evidenced uh, from numerous sources show that countries that are using those types of vaccines are not seeing non-COVID XX deaths. Or reductions in fertility and uh, problems with gynecological issues. I wondered if you've had a look at that and if you could explain I, why that I, might be.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> I explain why that might be is, is a reach because, we're, you know, we have to... I, I've got my theories, but uh, I, I'm still, still accumulating a, an impression about that. But here's what I find odd. Covaxin, in my humble opinion, is a superior vaccine. That's the Indian vaccine. Why is there not a... Not an urgency, but why isn't there at least a uh, a, 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 a expediency to bring in the Covax? If you're so worried about vaccine hesitancy, why aren't we bringing Covaxin in? It's an excellent vaccine. It's a better vaccine. Better. It's more in the line that you're looking at, Penny. And uh, that, to me, is kind of a weird smoking gun. It's like, why are we not bringing this in? They claim there's some sort of manufacturing problem. Exactly what is the manufacturing problem? Let's hear what the problem is. And again, why isn't there an expedient, expediency, an urgency of some type, at least a mild urgency, to get that solved? Wouldn't you agree? I lost Penny. Penny, you're still muted again.
8: Oh, sorry. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, And looking at statistics, it just seems um, 37.9% was Germany's excess deaths just Mm -hmm. reported a few days ago. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're looking at that compared to what countries that are using COVAX and uh, Mm -hmm. some of the other um, non-replicating spike protein Mm -hmm. vaccines, absolutely. Why isn't anybody looking at it?
0: I I don't I the the you know we can fill in the why right we could there's all kinds of theories we could come up with let's uh, try to get to the truth let's try to get to the data on that it's odd lot of odd things in this whole tale and every time something odd or that has made me shake my head i'm doing that less now Have you noticed i'm like i don't understand i was the whole time for your year, two years uh you know every 5 minutes what came out of my mouth was what's going on here i don't get it i don't understand you're hearing less of that because i'm starting to put the pieces together uh but there still are some things that um there still are some things that make me shake my head and Covaxin is one of those things uh, okay, uh, I've gone way over my. Um...
1: I feel like we need to reinvent the wheel now that the pandemic threat is over. Mm. Why don't they just keep working on it until they get it right? Instead of continuing to what is it the vaccine? Why do they have to keep jabbing us? Like we we see the outcome wasn't positive positive 100. Let's let's make it that way before we start re delivering it to the public. It's just, I don't know. I feel like it was an emergency thing, and now it's not really that much of an emergency. Well, let me
0: let me flip that around and say, yes, we took an extraordinary risk to get that thing out to market. We knew there was going to be complications. And it
1: helped for some things. And I
0: think it did help. That's right. And then why not now fill in the safety profile the way we normally would?
1: Right. Why not That's step what I'm back? trying to say. You say yeah, better Why not than me?
0: step back and take the time a year or two, to really determine the efficacy safety profile of the vaccine the way we normally would. Let's say even a little twice as fast as we normally would, not a hundred times as fast yeah, as we I, normally I feel
1: would. like it's like we're going to keep giving it to you because we don't want to say that anything went wrong and it was well, our fault. It, it, you, know?
0: you have to be it, – it's sort of – It's
1: like a, why are we did uh, again, so much data like to see where COVID was, but we're not doing the data on the things that are not working out so well because they don't want to be – you know have to apologize hey, for look, making mistakes well, they
0: still they've have made lots of mistakes um they're still well they're also cu-
1: making money and it you know uh-huh. I, i'm starting to believe that but it's mm-hmm. yeah it i just like i i my uh fake boob analogy okay when the 70s the big thing really was where are we going with this where? silicone boobs you know because yeah. it was a thing and i said you know i want to wait 10 years and see if it's a healthy thing for women before i ever do it so I was actually kind of right. You know, there were a lot of mishaps with women with, with silicone breasts. And I always was wondering, you know, everybody and was By jumping. the way,
0: it took 30 years for that to really kind of sort out. It's still sorta of being sorted out. Even I though.
1: mean, you're putting this in your body. It's like you should know that there's risks.
0: Right. Hey, this is a good point. Whenever you're having surgeries, everybody, I don't care how routine the surgeon makes it seem. surgery surgery is a big deal. And once you've had one surgery, you're usually heading down a path of revisions and other surgeries, particularly when there's prosthetics involved. So anyway. Well,
1: I never needed them after that. And it came in naturally. <laughs> and I'm happy I never it, did.
0: It came in naturally. Oh, my <laughs> God. I hope you're all getting entertained by this. <laughs> this, this is high. And, and Caleb, you good? You're not laughing into your microphone. <laughs> you're, uh, like maybe you're <laughs> asleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right everybody we thank you for coming by we have tomorrow at 12 30 we have to fly tomorrow again so we have yeah a,
1: that's why i didn't want to have to clean the playroom because we have to travel so
0: yeah we have a 12 30 show tomorrow with uh, i've already forgotten we have somebody coming in oh uh, uh ron um Dr. Ron Johnson, Scott Jensen. Scott Jensen. Scott Jensen. Then Those two guys remind oh, me of each Ron other, Johnson. interestingly. Uh, and then again, now Friday will be normal time. Is that correct? Yes. Alex Berenson at 3 o'clock 3 on Friday. So today is Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Let me review a little bit of the, the schedule coming up. Uh Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the following week. And then I think we get weird again. Yeah, yeah then we, we do. Go,
1: it, it's kind of strange because we have to travel to Austin so much for your mom's house. Yeah. And I think next Friday is my episode of Your Mom's House. Oh, really?
0: Because mm-hmm. well, I was after
1: Lauren Compton. Ah, I met her in the foyer. Right.
0: So everybody supports Susan's appearance on uh, Your Mom's House. Uh, Doctor Drafter Dark. Uh, send lots of uh, we love. We took her colors.
1: Way. It was it was actually interesting.
0: We'll probably do the same thing this next time. I'm trying to. I don't. You I in.
1: you know what? I'm I don't know why people think that I'm good at this, but I just do it because I'm I'm supportive. Answering calls about crazy sex stuff. Not
0: everybody would say things like, you know, the COVID vaccine reminds me of breast implants.
1: <laughs> it, re- I'm not yes. gonna lie, it does. It's I like- think I
0: think that's the sort of thing they expect from you, and that's what they makes them listen. I'm just saying. Uh, let's see, what, let's see what the restream says. Yeah, Hold on here. I mean, uh, James says I'm in denial. What am I denial about, my friend? Uh, thank you guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm seeing a lot of thanks here. Tom Cigar, try it out. Yes, sir. Uh, Scott Jensen tomorrow. And I want to know
1: what to do about a drone floating over our house. Mm. I want to know how to, am I supposed to call the police? No, you take a it? picture
0: and then you have I didn't.
1: I didn't have my phone in my hand. Okay. But what, what, I mean, are you supposed to report it? Or is that something that you're, you should tell the neighborhood? Or wonder if it's you somebody's have, You have a son that's a it? lawyer.
0: He was telling you what to do. You were not listening.
1: Well, well, he said this invasion of privacy, but what did he tell me to do? Take a picture. I, I it got away before the picture. I understand, but so still, should by. I tell yeah. the neighbors that mm. it's there and to lock their houses? Or
0: mm, oh, I see.
3: Uh, I'm
1: worried about the security. Like, are it's always it possible there are it is cars? one of the neighbors
3: too? It's it's possible it's yeah. one of the neighbors.
1: Some stupid kid or whatever. But I I don't know. Maybe I I've never had. I've never seen it before. So, but if anybody has any suggestions on. uh Type it out and tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'll oh, so
0: the um, the restream is telling you just shoot it down.
1: So <laughs> yeah. there you go. <laughs> so we Emily over there's, here. <laughs> there's our restream. Would, Emily has a reason to.
0: All right, Caleb, you want to put the uh, upcoming <laughs> guest up there? But so it's got to uh, be here for me to shoot it, again, it down. And then we'll get out of here. Um, I can't we put got, it up on screen because uh, uh,
3: it changed during the show. So all my numbers are wrong. Okay.
1: On. But yeah. <laughs> no, no, we have Alex Berenson back. We yeah, have we have Al- Alex, Alex Berenson, Berenson back. back on Friday. And I
3: edited it and took all that out. And now I'm putting him back in. So oh, it's not I ready. See. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Scott Jensen okay. on
0: Tuesday. And you keep, Thanks,
1: Terry. Lots
0: of good guests. I, I've been working with our crack Booker, um, bookers. And uh, lots of interesting um, ideas. Yeah, lots of interesting ideas. So we'll we'll get more and more and more. And sort of the people, the 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 pool of people that are willing to talk and the kinds of things they're talking about is sort of expanding. So it's it, this kind of this story keeps evolving, and we'll keep chasing it. Again, that's where we started this little stream. We've, was we if you remember us two years ago, we were saying we felt like the French underground, just trying to have a place for people to come and share ideas and to figure out what's going on here and how to survive this. And now we're on the other side, and now we want to understand exactly what happened, so we can reduce the risk of it happening again. Uh, all right, everybody, We'll see you. Somebody tomorrow. said
1: point security cameras at it. I do have one. I'll point up into the sky. All right. So then I know it's here.
0: All right. We'll see That's you a t- good idea. That's smart. At, uh, Thank you. Twelve thirty Pacific, three thirty Eastern. We'll Just see you a then. A big tomorrow. ladder. you can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.